Blog Talk Radio. urbancoopcompany.com 
Ideal Poultry has been a family-owned and operated business since 1937. Their business is built on customer service and quality poultry. From rare white and brown egg layers to broilers, ducks, turkeys, and bantams, Ideal Poultry is the largest supplier of backyard poultry in the United States, shipping close to 5 million chicks annually. Visit them online at IdealPoultry.com. That's IdealPoultry.com. Hey, it's the Chicken Whisperer. If you're in the market for a new incubator, then look no further than GQF. They have a great selection of tabletop and cabinet-style incubators at prices you can afford. I love my GQF Genesis Model 1588. It has a large picture window and an automatic thermostat, which makes for a better hatch every time. Go pick out your new incubator at GQFRadio.com. That's GQFRadio.com. Pictures of chickens on aprons are common across America, but picture a chicken wearing an apron and you'll probably get a good chuckle. Laugh if you must, but nothing protects hens better than the Hen Saver Hen Apron. Hen Saver Hen Aprons protect your hens from the damage caused by an overly affectionate rooster and may even provide protection from an unexpected hawk attack. Hen savers come in several different sizes to fit both bantam and standard sized hens and roosters. Colors include camo, denim, navy, brown, khaki or black, and soon pink. Crazy K Farm is expanding its already colorful hen saver collection to include the color pink. A portion of their sales will be donated to organizations that fund breast cancer research and awareness. Order your Hensaver aprons today at Hensaver.com. That's Hensaver.com. Hi, I'm country music artist Nathan Osmond, and you're listening to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. And the mighty bird against prejudice continues his fight for law and order. So when you hear that cry in the sky... You'll know it's Super Chicken. Hi, thank you very much for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. We've got a great show lined up for you today. We've got Peter Brown, also known as the Chicken Doctor, and we're going to be talking a little bit about eye worm today. It's probably about time to revisit that, not to mention... Peter will have an article in the winter issue of Chicken Whisperer magazine regarding eye worms, so I knew it would be fresh on the tip of his tongue and in his mind regarding eye worm for this uh, online um, broadcast. And then, of course, you'll be able to read more about it in the winter issue of Chicken Whisperer magazine. we got a great magazine. It's probably going to go to print here next week. And uh, let me think if I can remember everything we're talking about. We've got... Uh, Dr. Petiski at UC Davis doing an article on uh, backyard avian influenza. We've got Dr. McRae doing a great article on biosecurity basics and strategies. We've got uh, Dr. Uh, Jefferson with Combat Feeds doing an article on uh, BHD, uh, an article on um, winter nutrition. Uh, we've got Richard Frudenberger doing one on uh, creative uh, ways to um, keep the coop at a reasonable temperature over the wintertime without using a heater. Uh, let's see, what else do we have? Um, I think we've got another one, don't we? Oh, we're going to have a review 
on uh, an all-new product called the Hen Light. And uh, I wouldn't say that I was very involved in the development of that, though I did get my two cents worth uh, many a times when I was asked by the company. And it was started from scratch, no pun intended. And they won a contest with it, a national contest, uh, when they were in development. And then they uh, went out and got some, some apparently some investors, and, and it's, they brought it to market. But it is a solar-powered light. It's, it have, I'm going to say, we'll see what the review says. I'm going to say that it's really more geared towards the uh, pastured poultry producer, if you will, maybe in it for the, the bucks versus just your backyard keeper because uh, if I remember correctly, um, it, we'll just say it's a little pricey for, for the soccer mom in suburbia with six backyard hens to justify. I think it's about $500, uh, somewhere between four and 500 bucks. And, um, you know, I, I haven't touched it, haven't seen it, haven't felt it. Uh, I've seen it. I've seen their website. Uh, Lisa will be doing a review on that. She has one. She's been using one, and she'll write the review for that. And um, there just may be a, a less expensive way uh, to do that for, for the backyard or if you're one of those that fall into the category of providing a light for your hens in the wintertime. Tis the season as the days are now shorter. They're not getting the 14 to 16 hours of light required to maintain egg production. So uh, people get creative. They'll hang some Christmas lights in the coop. They'll uh, use just uh, uh, what else they use? All kinds of things. But the mistake that we see most people make when it comes to adding light in the coop is they use too much light. Um, as Dr. McRae said many times on this show, uh, for most breeds, all that is needed is a half-a-foot candle. And if you're wondering what uh, and how much that is, go into your coop after dark um, with a newspaper and several different light sources and the minimum amount of light needed to read that newspaper, holding it six inches away from your nose, is all the light that is needed. So, so in most cases, with most breeds, they probably a child's nightlight uh, that you have in the bathroom or in the hallway to see to get to the bathroom at 2 a.m. is all that's needed. There are a few breeds that might need a little bit more than that, but none show uh, that they need any more than a 40-watt bulb. That, that's the maximum that is actually needed. Um, and more than like, probably more like 25 watts. So uh, so that's the mistake we see most. We also run into people that say, well, I get eggs all through the winter and I don't have a light. Well, just their first winter. Yes, well, normally after hatch, the first winter, your hens will probably lay pretty good. It's the next winter that will probably hit them uh, pretty hard regarding the, uh, the slowdown of, of laying eggs. And then uh, we've also noticed when people say that we'll do a site visit or something and We'll look around and uh, we'll notice that there's a, a spotlight or a floodlight on the corner of the house. Does that light come on automatically uh, at night? Or, oh, yeah, it's on all the time. Or the wind blows, there's your extra light that's seeping into the coop through the window. Or, hey, there's a street lamp over there, street light, right on the corner that comes on at dusk, goes off at dawn. There's your extra light that the hens need to maintain egg production. That's why you're getting pretty good eggs through, through the winter, even though you're personally not adding a light into the coop. So all those funny things that we actually actually see. But um, So, yeah, that's uh, the winter issue should be out. Um, I'm saying the digital edition, let's see, what, what's at the end of this week? Maybe the end of next week the winter issue will be out digitally, and uh, maybe a week after that uh, it will be in mailboxes all across the country. 
And uh, it is the fastest-growing poultry uh, magazine in the country right now. Uh, thousands of subscribers, thousands of both um, uh, uh, digital subscribers as well as the uh, print subscribers. People still like to have a real physical magazine to sit in their lazy chair on a rainy day and, and read about keeping their backyard flock healthy. Uh, no more touring right now. Uh, the, the next event I have on the calendar, well, right now, is the first weekend in March up in Ohio at the Kalmbach Bee Dealers Conference. But I know I'll be doing three, maybe four events uh, down in Florida uh, while we're here. Uh, probably over, probably at least three of them, I think, will be over towards the Fort Lauderdale, Cocoa Beach area. Uh, I think there's three dealers that carry the Kalmbach brand over there and uh, not too far from where we're at. So we'll probably be uh, scoot on over there, get a hotel for two or three nights and knock those three events out uh, in, in, in a one-week period. Sometime the last week in January, first week in February, sometime in that area. And actually down here in Florida, that'll be prime spring chick season. Uh, about mid, Actually, uh, a lot of the hatcheries start shipping out to these uh, southern dealers in, uh, in mid-February, about February, around Valentine's Day, believe it or not. Uh, and they'll start in the deep south and just kind of as the days and, and months and weeks progress, uh, start shipping them throughout other parts of the uh, country based on warmth. So uh, but anyway, we've got a great show lined up here today. We're so glad that you uh, tuned in today uh, as we get back rolling here with the uh, broadcast over the winter months. And we've got Peter Brown, also known as the Chicken Doctor. And uh, we're talking about eye worm. We, we've covered it at least once in the past, but uh, again, new new listeners, information that we've forgotten, uh, maybe new information that's out there about it. But we also don't forget we'll have an article by Peter in the uh, winter issue about eye worms. So let's just go over here to the phone lines. I can remember to push the right button here, and uh, we'll bring Peter on live, and we'll be uh, talking about eye worms. So get those chicken whisper notebooks ready to take some notes. Hey, Peter, thanks for joining us. Good to have you hey, back. Hey, Andy. Glad to be back. Yep. Yeah, did you have a, well, of course, we, a couple of months we were on tour and, and shows were kind of sporadic based on our travel schedule. We were riding up and down the highways of this great land, but um hope you had a good couple of months, good couple of healthy months, and we're glad to have you back to learn more about keeping backyard poultry. Yeah, it's not too bad. It's uh, good yeah, the ups good and downs of, of, of things. It's uh, kind of the way it is these days. Uh, the, that is uh, true. Avian influenza thing taking its toll on you know most of the poultry shows and what have you and uh, mm-hmm. as of as of this moment we still haven't had any uh, further outbreaks uh, which is you know, certainly a, a good thing so mm-hmm. uh, um, I'm sure Absolutely. that if it raises its ugly head again uh, you know uh, the restrictions will be uh, hard and heavy that would be my uh, my guess as to to what would uh, transpire but. Uh, um, at, at the moment, uh, things look pretty decent. So, yeah, I haven't heard anything down coming down the pipe uh, from uh, from USDA regarding that. Other than the fact that a lot of the farms that were hit uh, back uh, earlier this year, just recently, they got the all clear to go ahead and and restock and and start in those houses and, and to replenish and whatnot. They gave them the all clear after. Uh, the sanitation and the coaling and everything else, and, and I guess the powers that be deemed that it's okay to uh, start again in, in those same houses. So uh, that that just in the last uh, week to ten days uh, has occurred. So those houses uh, have been have been empty. So 
and uh, they've kind of all cleared all those folks that got that got hit hard uh, earlier in the year. And yeah, we sure are hoping to be keeping our fingers crossed that it doesn't hit. And um, do you think if it does rear its ugly head here on the East Coast, we will see not not just because it's the second year and like okay, here we go, this, this may be a routine thing now here that we're going to have to deal with every year. But if it does hit the East Coast versus uh, hit the egg layers over there, um, Iowa and whatnot, Minnesota, turkey farms and things, if it hits the East Coast, that it would be a bigger deal than it even was earlier in the year because of all the broiler farms we have from where you're at, Delmarva, all the way down to, of course, Georgia, which produces more broilers than any state in the country. Um, Do you think that it would uh, spark uh, more of a deal, a big deal, than than it did uh, Last year, with the or this earlier this year, with the uh, the egg layer community. Um, yeah, I think that uh, you know we've been through it here before, uh, both here in in, uh, uh, in Maryland, Delaware, Pennsylvania, and Virginia, um, and I think North Carolina at one point uh, years back. Um, you know, so they've all been through it. Um, they were able to stop it back then uh, very quickly. So I think I think um, we may not see, uh, in, in sitting here thinking about it, um, it, it may not be as big a knee-jerk reaction as we might see. It depends on the severity of it. Um, to give you mm-hmm. an example, uh, they are used to it here. And what I mean by that is that um, uh, it all boils down to, and people get tired of hearing this, and I think it's, it's kind of like... Uh, the difference between saying global warming and climate change um, mm-hmm. one one resonates real well with people and the other is offensive in a in a sense um, you know and mm-hmm. so you know whichever side of the fence you fall on that doesn't matter to me but the, the point is um, the biosecurity here might be better uh, than it ha- was in the midwest uh, from all of the reports that i read uh you know, that there basically wasn't any biosecurity there, and it, and it made it more severe than it was. Uh, it could have been contained, uh, from what I read, you know, uh, from the very beginning, had they had some biosecurity uh, practices uh, in place. And, um, you know, never having dealt with it out there, um, you know, they, 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 just, they just weren't prepared for it. You know, and mm-hmm. nobody was prepared uh, anywhere for the uh, euthanizing the amount of birds, so there were there, there were times when birds had to sit in houses and just die on their own until uh, a crew was uh, put together to get in there and, and, and put them down. The foaming machines that they use uh, uh, were not in place out there; had to be brought in from Virginia and other places. Uh, then crews to operate them, and um, when you have a, a, a mass problem like you had there, to try to scale that up and do it effectively is very difficult. So um, yeah. I would hope that here, God forbid, it does show its ugly head, that uh, we will be able to contain it um, and stop it rather than have, a, have it spread. What they do here, uh, for instance, uh, Lorengo tracheitis has always been a big deal here as well, uh, amongst mm-hmm. other diseases, but it's, it's always been a big deal. And years ago, uh, many years ago, uh, it was just commonplace to go out in the field and vaccinate all the birds and, you know, get it under control. And after years of doing that, the cost of the labor and everything else uh, became cost prohibitive at the end of the day. So what they ended up doing uh, is what they do now. They have the entire, and I've said this before on the show, they have the entire area uh, split up into grids. Uh, 
and the first time uh, uh, that a poultry company reports uh, a respiratory issue going on, uh, birds are taken to the lab, um, people are st will stay out of that grid. The companies will pull the servicemen out, and uh, uh, once it's made that there's a determination that there is LT, uh, an active outbreak in that grid, the grid is closed, uh, and um, they go in and vaccinate everything in the grid and stop it. And that has been extremely effective here. Now, we don't vaccinate at this point, ju juncture for uh, avian influenza, but the mere fact of being able to uh, coordinate it off effectively uh, and uh, negate the flow of, of personnel in and out of those farms uh, can go a long way, uh, you know, to keeping it under control. And, uh, you know, Pennsylvania knows how to do it. Um, uh, I see here... Uh, just riding around because there's uh, darn near a chicken house here on every street corner practically once you get out in the country. And I see now barrels for servicemen to put their coveralls that they normally would probably roll up and take with them. They're right there at the entrance to the farm. Um, and uh, so, you know, leaving stuff behind instead of taking it from place to place uh, or whatever, uh, it's a different protocol and people are paying more attention, which is a good thing. So, I guess at the end of the day, it depends on the severity of the of the outbreak. If it's an uncontrolled one, um, which I hope never gets started again, I hope everybody's learned their lesson from this one, and, and I hope that now that they've authorized those buildings to be repopulated out there, they've also made it mandatory, you know, that they have uh, biosecurity training and, and a protocol in place to uh, uh, to make sure that it happens. Um, mm -hmm. It's, it will it will really depend on the severity of it. A simple outbreak, I don't think, is going to, uh, um, you know, shut everything down. Shows and, and stuff like that, swaps certainly they will do that. Uh, yeah. But uh, you know the the uh, the movement of, of of fowl will be be curtailed. How how bad that that is will depend on how the severity of the outbreak and if they can you know uh, right. effectively stop it. But uh, it'll be interesting to see, and hopefully we don't see it. I don't want to see it. It's, it's, uh, nope. it's too disruptive to everything, my business, everybody else's business. Mm -hmm. and, and, uh, it's a headache. It is. It's a big headache, and uh, we don't need it, none of us. And uh, I just don't see it go and away. It, and if it affects the broilers, then uh, that it's going to affect, uh, well, let's face it, everybody in America. I mean, everybody that goes through the drive-thru and wants 99-cent chicken nuggets all the way down, because it, let's face it, it's a cheap protein source. And uh, chicken, right. oh my gosh, seems to be in in everything from broth to yeah. So it, it, what a headache, and it'll affect everybody. Versus, I mean, even the people that say, "Won't affect me. I get my own chickens out of my backyard. Or, Won't get me. I only pasture raised from Whole Foods." So okay, we'll see. Mm -hmm. but, yeah, and um, what happens? We'll you know, what happens to that whole backyard industry when the government forbids the movement of chickens, uh, baby chicks, from all of the hatcheries that supply a lot of that too? Um, mm -hmm. You know, it's it's. Um, uh, it, it's, it's it can it can affect a lot of people. I know I won't mention the hatchery's name, uh, but I know one of the hatcheries that that I um, uh, just have information with that uh, although they didn't you know obviously didn't have any problem with it, uh, they had restrictions put on on them, and I'm sure the others did as well. That they had to prove to all these states that they were AI negative before they could even ship baby chicks in. So that mm -hmm. in itself ba backs up everything. I mean, they're hatching on a particular schedule, uh, you know, uh, 
uh, you know, three weeks in advance, and and you know, you just can't shut off the incubator and say, hold up, the, you know, the the state of uh, Timbuktu wants to know, and we have to blood test the breeders, and you know, we have to show them the certificate and get the paperwork done, and you have to wait for them to process it and get back to you and tell you it's okay. So I mean, it's not like you can just, you know put everything on hold so it is extremely mm-hmm. disruptive i don't think people think of it in those terms you know just uh um you know ju- just a simple water shortage i mean and it's not simple i mean this drought out in california and nevada and places mm-hmm. like that arizona is having a huge impact on the cost of uh of different types of of, of food that come from there uh, you know most of the lettuces and broccolis and, and things of that nature uh, are grown in california and now with the, no, with the drought so much yeah, and there's a lot less of it coming out. Uh, water restrictions, uh, even on the agricultural sector, uh, it's not. It's it's not actually funny. It's mm-hmm. a huge problem, and that's mm-hmm. that goes to to chickens and and uh, and and everything else. You know, I yeah. I have a tr- you know I know we're going to talk about eyeworm, and it's not a huge subject, so we can we can kick a can down the road here just a few seconds. But I have a trial going on now with the oil of oregano in, in a commercial poultry flock. There's Fifty thousand broiler chicks. Okay, and, uh, so, so I know you did the I know you did the one with the turkey flock, and we've had great success with that. So that's great news. You're now using it in a commercial uh, broiler yep. flock, fifty thousand, awesome. Yep, and you know they um, uh, it's a it's a thing where it's not necessarily going directly through me. I set it up for the company that I that I deal with, so my t- you uh-huh. know monetarily there's not very much in it at all for me, uh, and, and I'm not worried about that. My issue here was. Um, you know, to uh, to give this company a, a hand up and get them a foot in the door. Uh, they've done a lot of research work here, spent a lot of money uh, with a couple of the universities running trials, which have been extremely successful. But until you get it out in the field and, and get people, you know, used to using it and that kind of thing. What we were really looking for for this was uh, controlling coccidiosis, uh, better gut health, um, and trying to see that when the companies do their field vaccinations, uh, they, they usually boost the birds for Newcastle bronchitis uh, at about 10 days to two weeks of age, uh, and they also uh, use a um, LT vaccine. And just to give an example, uh, they don't want to come back in and vaccinate for LT with the uh, um, tissue culture vaccine uh, the way it's supposed to be used uh, by eyedrop uh, because of the expense of the vaccinating crews and everything else. So they switched to a chick embryo vaccine, which is uh, much more virulent uh, and um, allows them, uh, you know, to put it in the drinking water. Well, the reaction that the bird's going to get from the vaccine is much more severe uh, with the um, uh, chick embryo. And it's that reaction that that causes uh, the birds, you know, when they go through that reaction from the vaccine, you know, to have higher morbidity. Uh, morbidity means standing around, not eating, not drinking, uh, and mortality, obviously, which is uh, birds dying from it. And so you get a setback in these birds. They're scheduled to go out at a certain period of time, and if the reaction is too much, uh, you can delay that. And, and, and uh, as a grower, it costs you monetarily. It's, it's uh, The longer they're in the house, the less flocks you can get through that house in a given time. Um, uh, the less weight they have, the less money you get. Uh, so there's a big deal here uh, for these people. So what we're trying to see out of this is uh, can we lessen that reaction by having birds who were uh, on the oil of oregano from day one, and uh, uh, you know, will the reaction be less and will they weigh more 
than they have in the past uh, when they go out the door uh, down the road, and we'll see. Uh, right now, the, you know, the birds have gone through the reaction. They're coming out of it, um, and um, there doesn't seem to be any uh, great mortality, uh, and the morbidity is low. So we'll just have to see at the end of the day whether it's going to be a worthwhile project. But uh, nice to be involved okay. in it and, uh, you know, have some information and feedback uh, about it. But I am involved in that aspect of it, getting the information and gather, helping to gather the information uh, from, the, uh, from the grower. But, uh, we'll be anxious anxious to hear the, the results, yeah. Yeah, and I guess where I was going with that, I, I did not realize, because you know, I don't think of it in those terms, I did not realize the tremendous amount of water that's consumed by a flock in, the, in that period of time. It's huge. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you know, somewhere on my desk buried here amongst all the other stuff, I have the, the numbers, but it's, uh, it's a huge amount because we had to bring in a, a lot of... Uh, of uh, the oil of oregano to put in the water, so it was uh, mm-hmm. quite, quite an interesting thing. It's an eye opener, I guess. You know, when you when you start looking at areas where they start looking at a drought, uh, you almost have to look and say, "Gee, can we afford to put that much water into these when we don't have enough water for this over here?" That's uh, mm-hmm. a little scary mm-hmm. in a way when you think about it. But mm-hmm. uh, yes, yeah. did you want to uh, take your uh, uh, sponsor break at now, okay. and we'll just finish up with this other? deal here with the eyeworm? Yeah, we can do that. And then, yeah, we can do that. Great information up to this point, uh, especially about avian influenza and this great new uh, oregano uh, study that you're doing with, with broilers. I know you've had great success with the turkeys. You talk about it quite often, and and um, we'll look forward to, to hearing that. But yeah, we can do that. We'll go to a real short break here, and then we'll come back and we'll get on with the uh, eyeworm. And uh, since it's not, uh, uh, like I said, a very long topic, but still a uh, still interesting for folks and even in the backyard arena so uh we will we'll take a short break go to our sponsors and we'll be back right after this with more peter brown the chicken doctor right here on backyard poultry with the chicken whisperer when you need an incubator think brency the incubation specialist brency has been a world-leading manufacturer of incubators for over 30 years incubators from 7 to 380 eggs with high-quality electronic and digital controls, including precise humidity control and programmable egg turning, all at surprisingly affordable prices. Visit them online at Brincy.com. Brincy spelled B-R-I-N-S-E-A. That's Brincy.com or call 1-888-667-7009. Enter the coupon code WHISPER at checkout and save 10% on their incubators, brooders, egg candlers, and other incubation accessories. When you need an incubator, think Frenzy, technology you can trust. You've just entered a dimension of dirty water, a dimension of poop-filled water, a dimension of stagnant water. You've crossed into the dirty waterer zone. But up ahead is your signpost to cleaner water, the Bright Tap Chicken Waterer. The Bright Tap Waterer is fully covered. Chickens drink from special valves, so dirt and droppings can't get into the water. Chickens get sparkling clean water. You get less work. No poop-filled water pans for you to touch or wash out. Bright Tap, clean water made simple. Visit chickenwaterer.com to learn more. That's chickenwaterer.com. Cackle Hatchery is a third-generation, family-owned and operated hatchery. 
They offer over 193 varieties of poultry shipped directly from their facility in Missouri. It's their mission to enhance your life by providing you with quality poultry for showing, meat, enjoyment, eggs, and pets. They specialize in hatching purebred poultry and shipping day-old chicks right to your local post office since 1936. 4-H and FFA Youth Poultry Clubs get a 10% discount. Check out their website, CackleHatchery.com, for posted weekly specials and discounts. That's CackleHatchery.com. Love Nest brings the natural goodness of herbs to you in your backyard with handcrafted organic blends for your backyard friends. Packaged in a resealable bag, 100% USDA certified organic, Love Nest blends come ready to sprinkle directly into the nesting R coop bedding and are completely natural and edible. There's Love Nest Chick Mix Blend, a gentle herb blend perfect for young chicks. Love Nest Layer Blend, designed to help support laying and soothe ruffled feathers. And Love Nest Critter Ritter Blend is naturally effective against those unwelcome guests such as lice, moths, and other pests. Ask for Love Nest at your favorite local feed store or visit them online at www.loveluv-nest.com and try Love Nest Organic Blends for your backyard friends today. Do you provide a heat source for your backyard chickens in the winter? In most cases, it's not necessary. But if you choose to provide a heat source for your backyard chickens, it's imperative to use a safe and effective heat source, and the only one I recommend is the Sweeter Heater. The Sweeter Heater is a safe, completely sealed, washable, non-breakable, energy-efficient, long-lasting and reliable specific area heater that comes with a three-year warranty. Ditch the dangerous heat lamp this season and invest in the only heater I recommend, the Sweeter Heater. Purchase the Sweeter Heater online at SweeterHeater.com. That's SweeterHeater.com. Ware Manufacturing has been building quality hutches since 1983. Ware manufactures modern chicken hutches, barns, pens, and nest boxes designed especially for the backyard flock. Ware offers hutches and pens for every yard size and every chicken keeper's budget. Visit their website at waremfginc.com. That's W-A-R-E-M-F-G-I-N-C.com. Or call them to find a retailer near you at 1-888-824-7257. Ware Manufacturing. Looks like a job for... Super Chicken. You get the super sauce, I'll don my super suit. All right, thanks very much for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by Calm Bog Feeds. And I uh, hit this button over here on the switchboard. We'll bring Peter Brown back on, also known as the Chicken Doctor, founder of First State. Supply.com, and we'll get on right to our topic, which is uh, eye worm. Have a lot of learning so far 
about an hour to our, our assigned topic, which is uh, eyeworm. So, and you'll have an article, of course, in the winter issue about eyeworm that people will be able to read for free at chickenwhisperermagazine.com. Should be out in the next couple of weeks. And uh, but let's talk about it today. Eyeworm, Peter. Yeah, it's an interesting uh, um, subject. Actually, uh, it's not uh, something that we see uh, all over the U.S. and, and uh, uh, in any great numbers. Uh, but it is making a little bit of a comeback compared to what we used to see, and I, I, I uh, credit that to uh, birds moving around from one area to another. Um, uh, as I said in the article, you know, the advent of the jet plane and everything else, better shipping. Uh, you know, people buy birds from all over the place. Uh, you know, birds that you normally wouldn't have gotten back when I was a kid from Mexico. You can buy birds from Mexico. You can buy them from just about anywhere. And um, so along with these uh, birds sometimes uh, come, you know, these different problems that uh, we don't normally see. Um, it's a very old disease. Um, this was uh, a disease that was uh, first discovered uh, by Dr. Patrick Manson um, back in 1878. And uh, he was um, uh, a uh, Scottish uh, uh, physician who uh, took up... Uh, uh, residence and um, uh, research in China. Uh, he had gone there because uh, his brother had done it before him, and um, uh, he uh, was intrigued by that. So he went to China, and uh, this is where he first discovered um, the uh, what's named after him now, the Manson's eye worm. And uh, mm -hmm. it's it's really a type. Uh, it's a nematode, which is a, a round worm. Uh, but the the interesting thing about these uh, is that they are really, really small and um, uh, referred to lots of times as thread worms. Some people call them tro tropical eye worm. Uh, it really doesn't matter. They're easy to see with a naked eye or a, or a low-power uh, microscope uh, or even a, a decent magnifying glass. If you want to look in the bird's eye, you can generally see them uh, rolling around, swimming around, whatever you want to call it, under the uh, nicotating membrane uh, uh, eyelid. And, um, you know, for the most part, you know, do they cause a lot of disease? Not necessarily, but unchecked, uh, you know, eye damage, uh, blindness. Um, uh, it, it, they can appear as though the birds might have uh, some uh, coryza or some other respiratory issue, or there may be some sneezing, um, discharge from the eye. Uh, because of the irritation and, and uh, of the worm itself uh, under that nicotating membrane, um, so the birds start scratching and everything else. Uh, it might have, like I said, a little bit of nasal discharge. There may be some swelling around the eye, the conjunctival tissue, that red uh, tissue that you see when an eye swells, uh, being irritated and, and oozing uh, gunk out of the eye, and uh, so that may make you think. Um, you know, without further observation that, you know, you have a actual respiratory uh, condition when that may or may not be the case. Uh, it may indeed be uh, this uh, particular eye worm. And if you, you know, open the bird's eye and have somebody help you hold it and, and pick up the eyelids and look around and everything else, uh, if you don't see anything, get a small magnifying glass and, and take a look at it um, and see what you see. They're usually, uh, uh, you know, uh, there. Um, uh, not necessarily in great numbers, just depends on, on how exposed the uh, the bird was uh, to the uh, 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 the uh, intermediate host. Uh, 
the bird being the uh, definitive host. But um, uh, it, it's got a, a, a relatively um, short life cycle. Um, it um, requires a uh, intermediate host for, uh, to um, to have this uh, perpetuate itself. And basically, it's uh, a uh, type of burrowing cockroach called the surname cockroach, and um, uh, the roach uh, eats feces that have the eggs in them. The eggs uh, start to uh, develop uh, in the uh, uh, in the roach's uh, uh, body. The chicken will eat the roach uh, like they would any other bug, not knowing any difference. And um, these uh, the Digestion uh, or the um, um, how should I say this the the movement within the crop of the bird uh, there you know as the crop starts to empty uh, other food material stimulates these uh, eggs to come out of their um, uh, shell so to speak it's not a real shell but it's a, it's a, it's, a, it's a membrane. And they make their way then up the uh, esophagus of the bird uh, into the mouth uh, and make their way through the nasal cleft up into the uh, nasal lacrimal duct, which is the tear ducts, and end up in the eye. And it's a cycle where they, they get there and then they, they lay the eggs and the eggs go back out and the uh, cycle started all over again. Um, the... Um, takes somewhere around three to four weeks for the, the larva to mature in the, inside the roach's body. Um, and, and again, this is uh, a, a um, very, very small, hard to see uh, sometimes, uh, but you should be able to readily see them. I've seen them several times in, in my life, in real life, uh, you know, right up close. Um, we will see these many times in uh, game chickens. Uh, it's a big problem uh, in them versus um, a backyard chicken. Uh, and it is generally not a problem at all in the domesticated uh, chicken that you see in the commercial poultry industry. And that's mainly due to the fact that they don't free range and don't have access to these. It is a more tropical thing, something you're going to see um, in places like uh, um, you know, Florida, southern Alabama, southern Georgia, um, you know, uh, places in Texas, um, New Mexico, uh, Mexico, southern California, um, uh, southern Louisiana, any place where it's more tropical, uh, where this uh, roach uh, uh, lives and survives. Um, the um, other, other vectors, uh, that's what they're basically called, uh, Besides the chicken, uh, turkeys, uh, peafowl, uh, pheasants, uh, quail, um, and numerous free-flying birds uh, will uh, uh, act as the definitive host for, uh, for this worm. So uh, it can be... So it's just, it's just that particular uh, roach. So if, if, if the backyard keeper is out there and, uh, oh, goodness, the... the Overturn this cinder block and four roach, you know, whatever. It's it's you. We're talking about maybe this specific roach is the primary carrier. When we talk about of four. of this particular species of uh, of uh -huh. um, of nematode or roundworm. Um, to yeah. my knowledge, I have never seen um, 
and I've read quite a few articles pertaining to it. It's not a big deal, so they don't see a lot of uh, of people, mm-hmm. uh, you know, doing any kind of real research into it. Uh, but anything that I've been able to find over the years, um, uh, you know, like I said, it's an old disease, not very prevalent these days. Um, uh, wasn't until um, there was some correspondence between a uh, I can't remember his name right off the top of my head, but Another researcher here in the U.S., uh, and it was, I want to say, um, back in 78-79, a letter from one to the other, from Dr. Manson to this other individual, uh, describing the the worm and then actually sent him a a head of a chicken infected with it and so that they could, uh, you know, look at them and, um, and... and make sure that what they were seeing here was was the same thing. Um, mm-hmm. He was he was involved in a lot of different types of, of research, mostly human research, and out of that evolved this this uh, uh, Manson's eye worm. Um, but he was he was working more with uh, malaria and making the distinction that malaria was spread by mosquitoes, um, mm-hmm. uh, which actually later on in life somebody else. Uh, and I don't remember their name off the top of my head. Um, didn't put all of that in the article because I didn't think it was relevant. And it's to me, it, it's just taken up space. Mm-hmm. And, uh, um, but uh, he, somebody else got the Nobel Prize for um, proving his, his, his theory of, of how this uh, was all spread and stuff. Uh, and evidently he was a big enough guy about it. He wasn't all upset about it from what I was able to read years back. Um, and uh, I think he died somewhere around the early to middle 1920s. Um, came back to England and uh, um, was just a very distinguished individual in his in his field. And uh, but uh, did a lot, you know, for the the Chinese uh, in relation to uh, diseases in humans and humans and so on. Studied them and and uh, uh, was just a, a a man of his time and uh, may or may not have gotten as much recognition at the time uh, as, as he should have. Uh, as my, Some people might be aware that, you know, back in those days there were huge races between individuals to to be first um, with a breakthrough in any given uh, disease or, or uh, parasitology, which is a study of, uh, of parasites and stuff. So, um, you know, from that standpoint, um, he was huge in his field, well recognized, and in, uh, in, uh, uh, in England, he was of Scottish descent. He's from Scotland, but uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a man of his time, no question about it. But um, so, if you examine one of your birds that seems to have an eye problem and you're not able to figure it out, and you do see uh, these worms, uh, not to panic. Uh, you can. Uh, Take some Lysol and spray it into a little uh, container to get the liquid, and um, take a drop or two and put it directly in the eye, and it should run them right out of there. You can also sit there with a very fine pair of tweezers and pick them out, uh, and then put them in something to uh, to kill them. The old uh, way was to get uh, some uh, uh, <clears throat> basically creosote, and a, a uh, I believe it was a five percent dilution. And uh, a drop or two in that in the eye, and that'll run them out of there. Uh, Vetrex will do the same thing, uh, a solution of boric acid. So I wouldn't hesitate to take a human boric acid-based uh, um, 
product and irrigate the eyes, and that should run them out of there too. Anything to change the pH of there, whether it was going to make them tough for them to survive, is going to make them uh, squiggle mm-hmm. and move and 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 uh, you know and move out of there and and uh, um, be easy pickings for you to pick them out. Uh, something else you could do is nasal flushing. Uh, you know, uh, should be able to. Yeah, it should be able to. You know, I wouldn't hurt. Take some oxine. Take four or five drops of oxine and a, and a, and a quart of warm water, and um, uh, suck it up in a syringe. Pull a needle off of it and, and flush the eye out and and uh, flush the nasal passages out. Uh, and I, I would think that um, you would see them, uh, you know, get out of there real quick. You may even take some uh, uh, Epsom salts and put it in the bird's water to uh, flush out the crop and the digestive system. And if there's anything in the crop to to uh, to flush the uh, worms or uh, larvae or anything else that's in there, flush them out. The other thing to do is if you do discover them, it means that you more than likely have this uh, roach on your property, and uh, then it, you would uh, uh, get some uh, insecticides that are able to take care of, of uh, the, these types of roaches. I would suspect that they would succumb to any uh, of the permethrins uh, that are available. Um, seven dust, maybe, um, but uh, I would certainly lime the soil uh, uh, with hydrated lime, making sure not to let the birds stand on that lime, work it into the soil, and um, you know just make it uncomfortable for them to live there. Make them go live somewhere else. Uh, uh, remove any manure, whether it be in the chicken house or in the yard that you can. Uh, uh, again, these are burrowing cockroaches, so they're going to get into the bottom layers of, of the uh, manure and hang out there and set up shop. Uh, and uh, I would deny them that by by doing these things. Um, but um, you know, and if they've already, you know, if you've got a bird that's got an inflamed eye, then uh, plain old teramycin eye ointment uh, would probably be of good value. Um, if not, uh, one of the neopolydexamethasones that will help control swelling uh, that should uh, uh, be helpful as well. And uh, uh, just take in most cases. Know, this- in most cases, this isn't just going to um, take care of itself, or they'll have a strong enough immune system to deal with it, and and they'll just go away. Is this something that you'll probably, if they get this, have to deal with it rather than just saying, "Well, let's just see what happens." Yeah, I doubt very seriously that um, the immune system is going to. Usually, what we see with the immune system sometimes can be as detrimental as the disease. We see an inflammatory response. We see that. Uh, mm-hmm. In cases of coccidiosis, where the immune system is trying to respond, so it responds in a way uh, that in- creates inflammation. We also see that with uh, um, um, capillary worms, which is another type of threadworm, and it threads mm-hmm. itself into the lining of the intestine. Well, if you kill it in place, the immune system looks, still looks at it as a foreign uh, entity and then starts swelling at that spot, which is not going to go away until the worm is extracted from where it is. So. Uh, can create scar tissue, uh, damage to the immune system, which is uh, predominantly in the uh, uh, digestive system. So you're, you're better off, in my uh, opinion, to uh, to see it and treat it effectively. It's simple to do, not hard to do, um, more annoying than anything else, uh, picking up each bird and examining both eyes. Um, but um, I, I dare say somebody who lives in the north uh, is probably not going to see this uh, unless they mm-hmm. imported the problem from from the from the south, possibly. Um, perpetuation of it may not take place due to the fact that you know a suitable uh, uh, intermediate host, meaning the surname cockroach, is not available uh, in your area. 
Um, couldn't tell you uh, everywhere where they live, um, but it is more likely a subtropical or a tropical uh, type of a of a you know of a problem. We know that simply because that's where they were discovered in, in China in the, in the tropical regions. So um, it, it's best in most cases with any disease entity not to necessarily rely on the immune system, if you can, to take care of itself when you're able to get it under control uh, through reasonable means. Uh, and as we move away from antibiotics uh, to more natural substance, you're going to have to be more diligent uh, about what you do. Uh, for mm-hmm. instance, you know we've talked before about getting that five-gallon bucket out, but it, you know, sit in the middle of the chicken coop and see what's going on. You know, pick up your birds on a regular basis and uh, and uh, be cognizant of a bird that uh, it was good yesterday, but not so uh, spiffy today, uh, because that's uh, tomorrow's mortality or tomorrow's morbidity or tomorrow's disease problem, and it's best to take care of it today if if at all possible, especially when. Uh, Again, when we move to the more natural substances, which are going to um, generally not respond as quickly as an antibiotic will, and the antibiotics mm-hmm. are going to tighten up next year, so it's oh, uh, yeah. it, it may be a monumental problem for everybody, self-included, and uh, we'll just have to play it by ear, see how it goes. But um, you know, you don't want to allow this thing to fester in an eye and then do irreparable uh, damage to the eye. Uh, that wouldn't be smart. So, um, you know, from from uh, from my perspective, and I think it, from any reasonable person's perspective, uh, if you see it, take care of it, get it done, um, and move on from there. If you need, uh, you know, something to take down the swelling in the eye, those things are available. Um, that's the way I would go about doing it. It's uh, and you know, cleaning up the premise not a big deal. Uh, you know, insecticide. Uh, Liming, there's a lot of things you can do, uh, you know, to offset it, and uh, shouldn't uh, be that big of a deal. Sounds good. Good information and uh, a good topic. Wanted to reach, uh, you know, do it again just because I know it's going to be in the the magazine here in a couple of weeks. And for those that um, listen to the podcast on a regular basis, there's just a couple of different ways people can get that information now. So thanks for sharing that with us and. Uh, Folks, uh, you know you love when Peter's on. I do, too. Great information every single Monday right here on Backyard Poultry with Chicken Whisperer. We appreciate him coming on, uh, and uh, we're glad to have him back. Peter, thanks for coming back, and uh, we'll see you uh, in a week. Yep. If I may mention, we do have the uh, suite of heaters on on sale now from the standpoint that we're offering them at free shipping. And I urge people that are interested in them. I mean, they're not just something that you can use, you know, for... um, Protecting your birds in the wintertime. These are used uh, mm-hmm. many times for uh, as uh, you know uh, brooding units. Um, but be aware of those people out there that are, are offering free shipping and uh, have added the shipping in to the cost of the uh, uh, of the unit. We have not done that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, for instance, there's somebody out there advertising their 11-inch uh, unit for $94 with free shipping. I would love to do $94 with free shipping. But uh, we're at, um, I believe, 78.95 with free shipping. So there's a huge difference there. Uh, I urge people to wow. look. And um, you know, I've had it on now for quite some time. We we are interested in selling them, and um, selling as many as we can sell. And uh, they are in stock, all sizes, uh, ready to roll. And um, every one of them is with free shipping within the 48 
States. We can't ship to Hawaii and Alaska for that price, but certainly uh, the, the 48 we do, and uh, we're going to leave it up there for quite a while and see how it rolls. So. What what was the price of that unit? The um, <clears throat> the smallest one, which is 11 by 11, is 78.95 free shipping by me. Uh, somebody else had it uh, on Facebook and other places that they've been advertising. Major major outfit uh, that's been around mm-hmm. for a while. Uh, they had ninety four dollars with free shipping, so there's no free shipping in there. You're paying for it. Mm-hmm. Wow! And, and then do you, do you have right off the top of your head your price for the uh, the large unit, the uh, the port? What is it? Uh, the, let me uh, see. Uh, One twenty six ninety five free shipping. Awesome! Gotta love it. So that's a great price. You're not gonna find it. I challenge anybody to find it lower than that. I went over to a website myself to see, and uh, you you beat their price. Uh, no problem at all. So yeah, that's great. And that's at firststatevetsupply.com. Cool. We'll put that on our Facebook page as well. So thanks for joining us today, Peter. Okay. And uh, we'll see we'll see you next Monday. Thanks for that information. Save some of our listeners some money uh, for uh, for this winter. And we'll see you in a week. Okay, Andy. Thank you. <laughs> thanks. All right, that's going to wrap up another episode of Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. We do appreciate you uh, uh, staying with us today, learning all about. Well, we talked about avian influenza. We talked about an oregano uh, study that that, he, that he's involved with. We talked about eyeworm. Lots of great information about keeping your flock happy and healthy. And as always, the show is brought to you by Kalmbach Feeds. From our family to yours, feed your chickens the way nature intended. Pure, wholesome goodness. Kalmbach Feeds. Visit our website at kalmbachfeeds.com. That's K-A-L-M-B-A-C-H feeds.com. Or order today on Amazon.com. Kalmbach Feeds is a proud sponsor of the Chicken Whisperer.